This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial Set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on Osea's sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code MOM. Hello, everybody. My name is Neil White, and from Backpage, this is the Big Interview with Graham Hunter. It's our monthly Q&A show, this time on the last 16 of the Champions League. And as always, the questions come from our socios at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. In part one, we covered Madrid one, Man City two. So let's begin on a European tour. The rest of the team's still in the competition. Coming up, socio Kevin Gimenez with a question about Barcelona who drew 1-1 in Naples. On the same subject though, before we hear from Kevin, Ian Body says, why is it that Barca end up at this stage of the season with the Clasico and the Champions League coming up with a first team squad of about 10? We were promised a new regime when it came to squad planning. Keep your powder dry, Graham, because here's Kevin. Hi Graham, it's Kevin Jimenez here. Hope you're well, mate. Um, question, couple of questions about Barcelona and Napoli. Um, I can't understand or seem to work out why um, Setien's playing Vidal in this attacking position. Uh, don't know if you can give me your thoughts on that, and uh, if you think it's working. Um, I don't see it working personally. Um, and also why he seems reluctant to start Artur. For me, Artur seems to be the closest thing that Barcelona's had to Xavi and Iniesta since they both left the club. Um, and I think we play so much better with him in the midfield. So uh, your thoughts on that and why you think um, he seems to be reluctant to play him every week. I don't know if there's disciplinary issues. I know there's been rumours about that, whether there's fitness issues. But for me, it seems um, logical to play Artur as soon as he's fit because I think he gets Barca ticking. Anyway, thanks a lot. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Ian and Kevin, I'm, I'm going to give you my opinions. I'm not going to sit here like some high-handed Egypt in Spain saying it's definitely like this. A correspondent, a Catalan correspondent for one of these two newspapers or, or the radio or the TV over here would be thrashing Football Club Barcelona for the way in which they've allowed this season to evolve. So, for example, 
you know, I think with the injury list before um, the game in Napoli, what were they, about 14 fully fit first-teamers in that Ansu Fati doesn't have a, a first-team uh, wage or contract, nor does Koyada, nor does Ricky Pooch. Um, and then Piquet goes off injured. So you're down to, beyond the bare bones, you're down to a, a, a situation with all due respect, East Stirlingshire would be a little bit embarrassed if they were facing. Um, so... The, the 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 two ways of of looking at it, and it links into what Kevin's saying about why is Vidal being um, used as a jack of all trades? Why is he um, playing in a role that that probably he's not best suited to? The the first thing to say is that I I don't believe that that Barcelona are 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 well run right now. I I don't believe that the president or the people that he's got on his board think the right way, have the right beliefs. And I think that although Eric Abidal, just like you, you you can't say a coach's philosophy is X or Y bad or terrible or brilliant based on one result or two results, you have to examine what the guy's um, philosophy is, how he's trying to apply it, what remedies he finds if things aren't going right. You, you can't just say it's all down to Abidal. That's wrong. Because even though I wouldn't have been a guru about the brilliance of either Robert or the brilliance of um, Zuby when they were sports directors, I wouldn't have been able to say Zuby's purchases are about to win a treble. Um, I wouldn't have said, Robert, if you look at him pound for pound and, and his work, it, it was good, solid work. They they were both dismissed. The the idea that Pep Segura was the man seemed to me to be ludicrous because although the club under Bartomeu was drifting away from the ideal that they'd established based on Cruyff or Guardiola or Reichardt principles, call it what you want, about position, possession, pressing, the club was drifting away with that and was drifting really, really strongly towards um, a mini Galactico version buy the best player, spend the most money, don't think about a, a consistency, don't think about a consistent narrative of what brand of football, not ignore, but, but, but mistreat the Cantera. Even though the club was doing that, um, t to my way of thinking, Petsagura was a guy who was like, the bigger the guy there is, the better, the quicker the guy, you know, it, it was a Premier League mentality and his idea was very, very opposed to the development of people like whether whether they've gone on to be brilliant about Ansu or Carlos Perez or Ricky Puch or Collado and there are others. Um, so right now, the fact that Abidal has been left on his own in terms of mostly on his own in terms of technical duties, the fact that at midway through the season, Abidal had to say to president i need a meeting because i don't know whether i or ramon planners is even in charge you've got a melange of reasons whereby there isn't sufficient direction there isn't sufficient lines of authority and there is a president who's coming towards the end of his mandate and what he wants more than anything is not a deep lying philosophy or continuity of great thinking he wants a legacy he wants a big name he wants people to say bartomeo won the treble which the treble of Lucian Ricky did come under Bartomeu's presidency. And, and Bartomeu, I think, 
um, although he's a, a shrewd man who works very hard on his image and has done well in terms of repatriating the Croy family to the camp now and, and, and trying to build relationships with them. I appreciate that. He hasn't won Jory Cruyff's trust. I think that Bartomeu is somebody who does some of the right things, probably for the wrong reasons. I think he's extremely high in terms of my legacy and you know just like Rosé if it could be if it could be the Sandro Rosé camp now that I think that was his goal once it was remodeled and if it could be the Bartomeu camp now I suppose Ian what you're hearing is that I think that the the contributive factors for the for the truth that Bossona A haven't bought particularly intelligently since they were caught with their pants down by their ankles in the way that Neymar left, how obvious it was that Neymar wanted to leave, the way in which they've used the money that they generated for Neymar, the way in which they aren't going to be able to recoup the, the right money for the, the players that that they've either misused, Coutinho, or haven't been able to get the best of, or Dembele, who's who's coming apart at the seams physically, there right there is what something like all in two hundred and fifty, two hundred and sixty million euros for two players, neither whom of whom has really functioned properly for you, and neither of whom you're going to get your proper money back on, and then you start to list all the things that Ian and Kev and and the majority of the socios already know. The blame, if you want to point the finger of the blame, then the best way to do it, in my opinion, is to say whoever you you want to single out, that'll be to do with you personally. The fact is, there was a clear idea, a clear philosophy, rules to follow, an ethos that should have underpinned every decision, how to scout kids, how to scout top players, how to plan, who should be in charge of the, the, the what they call the technical sector here, rather than director of football, who should get that job. All of these things, every single decision should have been informed by people who were devoutly following Cruyff or Guardiola principles. And that hasn't been the case. So at a time of decline where great players leave you and you try to move away from an established, successful, much-loved philosophy, the chances are you're going to tie your own laces together and fall flat on your face. And that is what's happened. The way in which the midterm thing was handled where footballers who were patently good enough, absolutely patently good enough, and I'll name them, Todibo, Wagwe, Carlos Perez and Alenia. Each of those players was patently good enough to stay and would have been in the current situation playing, reg or should have been playing regularly. Now, Carlos Perez although my, my the one I think the, the most obvious one who could and should have played regularly is Todibo but my argument is, is backed by the guy that you know Setien got rid of Carlos Perez and Carlos Perez was told you know from night to day you're out he looked interesting he's hard working brought up in the Cantera he's certainly not, I'm a fan of Martin Brathwaite in, in many many ways but Carlos Perez is, is definitely not a worse footballer than Martin Brathwaite. And his performance, never mind his goal, his performance uh, against Inter away in San Siro was absolutely terrific. And he was told, you're gone by Setien. Setien just said to me, you're not going to get any chances under me. So off he went. 
and and that doesn't seem to be joined up thinking. And and the fact that right now, Todibo and or Wagwe would be playing extremely regularly, and Junior, who shouldn't have been signed, and you could see that Junior was not a Barcelona footballer from, you know, from his second season at Betis and his European Championship, which admittedly his team won uh, the Under-21 Championship and, and Junior played a lot of football in it. He, he's, he's, he's not a particularly bright footballer. Fast, fleet-footed. And and therefore, you know, Semedo playing at left-back when Alba was injured and maybe Akiemi, who's now in the squad, getting a game. But you could have played Todibo at right-back, moved Semedo across. Todibo should have stayed. Todibo could have easily been playing at centre-back and allowing... PK to be rested while MTT was was coming back to fitness. Why has it happened, Ian? Because there are a, a, a variety of divergent interests at the camp now pulling in all different directions. And then to Kevin. Kevin, I think you already know the answer. Answer. I watch what you say about uh, football. And Vidal is a clever footballer. Okay, rash sometimes, aggressive sometimes. No longer 23, so don't expect him to be doing 100 metres in 10.2 seconds. But Vidal is an extremely clever footballer. And Messi is an extremely powerful figure in this team. Now, when Messi's not playing well, he rebels. He gets furious, Messi, when people accuse him of running the club. And and I back him. That's just not true. He doesn't snap his finger and everything, every wish is granted. But in playing terms, anybody who's got him is, is, would be a lunatic not to think, OK, what I'll try to do is service what Leo Messi needs to be the best Leo Messi possible. And sometimes coaches make the right decisions in doing that and sometimes they, they make the wrong decisions because Leo Messi is not omnipotent. He may know what he wants, but he doesn't always know what's best for him or best for the team. Not always. That that would be inhuman. So with Suarez out, and, and Kevin, you know how um, Messi and Suarez are almost umbilically linked on and off the pitch. I keep calling Suarez Messi's best ever socio, the best strike partner he's ever had. Not necessarily better than every other striker that's played with him, but the partnership, the feeling, the understanding, the, the mutual admiration society, the the the... Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid will fight our way out of trouble every time. That's what Suarez and Messi had. Suarez is injured. Vidal represents something similar. They were already something of a trio. They speak the same language, football language. They've got the same attitude. Messi looks for Vidal. When Vidal's not on the pitch, Messi is a lesser... It just looks less interested. Uh, In an era when Messi could barely be more pissed off about the shit show around him, Vidal is a is, is is a little haven of happiness in the team next to him. So therefore, right now, Setien, because Vidal likes playing up front and li- like well, likes scoring goals. And the mistake is, because you can do something, you should do something. So Vidal can score. His his aggressive shooting, his power, he's a very good athlete, he's a very good footballer. He gets on the end of things either with his feet or his head, and he scores goals, but arriving. Just as no way would you said Frank Lampard is a, is a striker or David Platt is a striker, where both of them had, had a wonderful ability to arrive in and around the box at the right time. I spoke to Frank Lampard Sr. about this once and he said, Frank needs to see the game. I said, could Frank not play? He's so good on the ball. Couldn't he play at 10 in behind the season? No, no, no. He, he plays deeper because he arrives. He needs to see the game. And Vidal is better when he sees the game. 
and should be redeployed when he plays it should be in midfield which shape of midfield which how many numbers in midfield that's a different debate but I agree with you right now I don't understand why there have been fewer appearances for Ansu under Setien I think that's an error a big error and I think that when I first saw this one day when I was watching Blackburn Rovers under Roy Hodgson and I went to um, Manchester United hosting Blackburn Rovers and Sutton was up front on his own super striker super footballer but he was getting more and more frustrated as the ball didn't come to him and watching the game reporting I was like this is going to end badly he's going to get sent off and he did and Vidal was increasingly losing his temper chasing around hearing after things that aren't his territory and in Napoli part of his his ill decision to lose his temper and go head to head with whoever it was was based on frustration so I agree with you Setien is, is, has tried an idea which was respectable to try, but it isn't working. The idea should be curtailed. And if Messi needs Vidal in the team, it should be behind him in midfield with Messi further advanced. And Arturo Vidal, while we're on the subject, refers to himself on Twitter, I think it's King Arturo. So let's call Arthur Prince Arthur. Or shall we call him Sergio Busquets Minder? Arthur! Arthur! Again, that's one for those who watch television in the 70s. Um, Artur, the, the Brazilian, is is a little bit of a frustration to me. Yes, he is a prince of the old-style Barcelona football. He represents values that Busquets Younger and Xavi represented, and Iniesta. And Artur isn't their ilk, uh, isn't their match, but he's cut from the same cloth. And when he came on in Napoli, the speed of the ball movement increased. Barcelona looked more confident. They were able to find gaps with passes that they hadn't before. Napoli suffered more. But the more I watch, particularly I watch differently now that I have to analyse things for La Liga television. And the first time I interviewed Artur, I really enjoyed it. I liked his personality. I liked his... The, the level of his chat, I liked what he had to say. And I thought to myself, that match with what I'm looking at on the pitch means magic. This is a super player. Then you hear little things about from the club about mm, he's a little bit special, he's a little bit different, he's a little bit this, he's, he's a little bit that. And I and I listened to his his obstinate idea that he can live a little bit like Neymar does and get away with it because he's young and he's talented. And you look at how often he makes the, exactly the right move for the ball compared to when he arrived. When he arrived, his power of associating with footballers wasn't just with his skill at protecting the ball or his ability to, to play one-touch passes and move. He put himself next to the ball carrier in exactly the place that the ball carrier would want to release it to and with an angle for the next pass. Now, he's doing that less. So I think the same of him in terms of what he can offer to this football team. I absolutely think that he's a little diamond of a footballer. But am I convinced that he's he's working as hard on the pitch as he should do compared to thinking of himself as a little bit of a show pony where he knows how good he is, he knows he can protect the ball, he knows that he can release Messi if Messi's on the run. The, these things that are a given seem to have dulled his need to do the right thing all the time. So would I be playing him? Yes, I'd be playing him much more, just like you contend. But if I was his coach, would I be demanding different things of him in the, on the training ground all the time? Yes, I would. I thought 
that a player, and, and particularly when Xavi praised him up, like he reminds me of myself, I thought we were looking at an incredible idea that a player brought up in Brazil could arrive being nearly the complete package as if he'd been brought up in the football basse at Barcelona. And now I see that his choices and his attitudes are a little bit skew with and they need to update. And if they do update, Barcelona still have an absolute metronome of a passer. Interesting. Thanks for those two questions on Barca, guys. Next up, uh, Socio, who I don't think I've heard from before. Will Valdez, if this indeed is your first time sending in a question, then thank you very much. It's nice to hear from you. Will says, what do you think are Atleti's chances of knocking out Liverpool? Well, the Anfield effect should not be underestimated. Simeone's game plan at the Wanda showed that without the space for Liverpool's front three to press, rob and run into, and without time on the ball for the fullbacks to create when the diagonals they thrive on come their way, the Reds midfield can struggle to build moves from deep. Yeah, Mr. V, interesting question, and I'm 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 unsure. I I, I began this season. I, I I was sure for several reasons that Liverpool were good enough to go back to the Champions League final in Istanbul this season. I really was, and right now I haven't changed my mind. You look at a squad and you think, yeah, that squad is you know, as carries X percent power. You look at the quality of the squad and you think, yeah, that, that's comparable. You look at the quality of the coach, you look at previous results, you look at momentum, you look at the Anfield effect and you do all of that. And then, because thanks to Matt McCann, the press officer, we've been in and out of Liverpool regularly in, in recent months. And it's like when you're trying to detect which way the wind is and you sort of dampen one finger and you hold up and you say, whoa, 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 something's cooking here. And they've never gone off the boil. That special unity of purpose, that willingness to work your bollocks off every single day, not in games, every single day. And, and that is a fire that can't roar forever. What was Roald Dahl's... My candle is burning at both ends, you know, all my foes and all my friends, but it gives off, it cannot last the night, but it gives off such a, it cannot last the night, but it gives off such a light. That Roald Dahl expression about I'm living too fast, I'm living too hard. Look at the flare, this, 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 this can't last forever, but boy, when it goes. That's what people should apply to this Klopp's Liverpool, that Roald Dahl poem. And it can't last in perpetuity. It can't. But I don't think it's diminished. And I think what we saw at Metropolitano, and, and will come back to me in a future Q&A if I've got this wildly wrong, because I'm going on gut now as much as, 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 as claiming to be a, a, a good observer of football. I, I like the people side of what I do. When you meet them and you listen to them properly, which is part of the beautiful benefit of doing the big interview, if you connect with them and you try to connect with them, not out of some sort of... You know, you want, to, you want to sort of blow smoke up their arse. In order to get a good conversation, you prep up and you try to open them up and you don't try and con them that you like them. You try to make them feel comfortable to answer questions that give you a genuine sense of who they are and where they're at. When you do that at Liverpool, it just stinks of winning and, and, and the sacrifices you need in order to win. I anticipated and I feel vindicated that the break, the winter break was coming at the right time for some of their limbs. 
the right time for some of their pain, the right time for their their overloaded minds as they went off and, you know, Andy Robertson golfed at St Andrews and some of them went off to Dubai or Abu Dhabi. I don't know where. And, and you know, nicked about in the sun and went swimming and, and basically went, oh, you beauty. What does that do to an absolute raw fighting machine that was going at ramming speed? It it takes away some of the drive. And as good as Atleti were, and, and Lodi was exceptional, and Koke was terrific, and Felipe was very good, and Oblak did what he had to do. And that was as that was as impressive as we've seen from Atleti all season. I'll give you that. No question on my part that Atleti performed well and that they were finely tuned and that they pulled for each other in a way that used to be the norm. Well, I think the difference was that Liverpool weren't ready for that. I think we saw them, their teeth weren't as sharp. I don't think that they were ready to impose themselves. And I think that this, the winter break, which is completely new to all these footballers, um, I think that took an edge away such that they couldn't find a way at the Metropolitano. So 1-0 is a brilliant score in, in European football. Atleti score once or twice and, and Liverpool are up against it. So will you? I, I intuit from the way Neil read your question that you think Atleti are possibly going through. I wouldn't be in a position to say I, I, I outright disagree with you. No way. Atleti look as if a monkey is off their back. They've, they've subsequent to the Liverpool game, they've played better. There's no question about that. And they've now got João Felix back from injury. Whether Costa plays or doesn't, at least he's now available. Morata is back again. There are one or two players who are definitely playing better than they've played all season. Trippier is back fit again. It's, it's just about a tick in every box you'd want if you were of the Atleti persuasion before you go to Anfield. But do I think Liverpool are good enough to defeat Atleti by 2-0 or 3-1? I do. And I think that what I saw watching them against West Ham, I think that while they're not at ramming speed yet, I think they knew exactly what was wrong um, in Madrid. I think that they've put extra into correcting that. And on balance, I think Liverpool go through. But is there a threat of a shock? And an away goal and, and it becoming very difficult for Liverpool. Yes, I do. And Atleti do not resemble that Barcelona that lost 4-0 at Anfield in almost any way. So Liverpool are gonna have to win out a different in a different way than they did in in the Barcelona tie, I think. And I think they're capable, Mr. V. I, I think it's Liverpool. And I still think if the draw keeps them apart, it's a Liverpool City final. Will, thank you very much for the question. Nice to hear from you. Let's take a break. Two more to come. See you soon. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back with another audio question from our sponsors, Bet365, for whom Steve Freeth seems to have uncovered a link between the hottest striker in the sport and Aberdeen FC. Now, I don't know whether I dreamt this, but I'm sure someone told me that Erling Haaland was a boyhood Aberdeen fan. Has he got a chance of winning the top goalscorer crown this season? Lewandowski's got an injury, of course, but Haaland plays for Borussia Dortmund. Will they go as far as Bayern Munich? Lewandowski is still favourite, but I'll be interested to know your thoughts on Haaland. Listen, can I call you Shafter? Hi, host Steve Arino. Um, very good question. And it, it don't you think now that you, you hear your own question, don't you think it would be odd if Haaland, or indeed Anybody from Zico through Garincha to Lev Yashin and more recently Paul Breitner, Gert Muller, Johan Niskens, Ari Han. If these guys weren't Aberdeen fans, don't you think it'd be quite odd? I didn't know about Haaland and, and his love for the beach end. I, I didn't know that he wishes that he was wearing the same boots and making the same runs as Drew Jarvie and Davy Robb. Or indeed, Bumper Graham. But Steve, thank you for that. What a phenomenon he is. I've yet to meet him. Um, Often I try to reflect in these um, Q&As and the podcasts on things I've learned from people I've met. And I neither met his his father, nor did I meet um, this kid who's, who's, who's... whose goal record makes him absolutely phenomenal. I don't remember being this startled by any youngster in Champions League football ever. And a day before recording this podcast, I was interviewing Luis Enrique, the Spain coach, and he and his colleagues uh, were actively asking more about Alfie Haaland and, and the Roy Keane incident and and clearly have Erling on their mind um, hugely, I think that they were it was, it, the, the conversation erupted because obviously, should Scotland be able to beat Israel, one of the possibilities is that Scotland would then face Haaland's Norway in in the playoffs for the final finals. And and Lucian Ricky was pretty clear that he fancied the idea of Scotland being in the finals, um, but we were agreeing that it, it's a rocky road if if Israel and either Norway or Serbia have to be beaten. I think I've got those countries right. That's why Haaland came up. Stevie, um, my point of view is is this. I think that um, Lewandowski's form it, it has been extraordinary. 
and Hansi Flick by Karl-Heinz Rummenigge's own definition has restored the values at Bayern to such an extent that the team is stronger I think that their um, win at Chelsea gives them a false sheen I think that I've seen them playing in domestically sufficiently badly against certain teams that I don't think Bayern Munich are by any means an unbeatable side they look to have momentum um, Flick has definitely got key players performing better and that would include both Alaba and uh, Thiago but <sighs> am I I'm going to just venture out here Lewandowski is a footballer who I'm unclear that he is that he remains an elite finisher a bulk finisher a bulk scorer yes that he is now the same Lewandowski who was world class and at some stage can claim to have been in the top two or three strikers in the world I'm unconvinced he picked up an injury um, while we're recording this and you're listening to this everybody's waiting to see how quickly Lewandowski gets back does it look as if probably he'll be fit to carry on in the Champions League that we're not by any means guaranteed that Dortmund carry on in and does that change the, the odds between Haaland and Lewandowski yeah I take that point yeah but Haaland is is the definitely of the two is a striker that excites me more because he's uh, he meshes together extraordinary physical prowess and speed and some sort of innate idea about how to finish and talking about finishing I may not have interviewed him yet but I have um, been asked to to listen to um, a variety of interviews with coaches who've had him before and they talk about his extraordinary um, dedication to learning, dedication to improvement, the fact that he's got no um, airs and graces and big-headedness, the fact that being brought up in a footballing family by an, a particularly bright father, uh, there's, there's Alfie Ireland, if you listen to him speak and, and nothing to do with his kid, has always been terrifically smart, um, articulate, um, experienced and and this this phenomenal kid has been brought up in an environment that will service him as as he becomes the focus of European football. So my bet would be this: it's more likely that Bayern Munich go through and have more shots at Lewandowski winning the top scorer. Are there many other um, players around that I think matching them at the moment? No, I'm not saying it's a two-horse race, but I think that they're the, the two outstanding candidates. But if Borussia Dortmund go through, then my bet would be that Haaland can outscore Lewandowski for as long as they remain in the tournament. And finally, this month, here's another audio question. And thank you so much to all the socios who recorded their questions to send them in for this. This one is from another regular contributor to these shows, Richard Cosmala. Hi, J-Man. Richard in Huddersfield here. Red Bull Leipzig, what a performance at Wembley. I thought it was uh, a 1-0 thrashing, shall we say. And then a few days later, they went to my old friend, Mr. David Wagner's uh, Schalke and absolutely pumped them, as uh, you would say. I just want to know from you, do you think they've got a serious chance of lifting the trophy? And also Timo Werner, every other interview, it seems to be whispering sweet nothings in the ear of Jurgen Klopp. Do you think he'll be at Anfield next year? Cheers, pal. See, because I would say to you that um, it's been a brilliant voyage of discovery for me watching RB Leipzig. You always want to call them Red Bull Leipzig, even though that's not their name. That RB thing is very clever. And Nagelsmann has been a voyage of discovery for me too, because pre precocity doesn't even begin to cover how he's been able to do 
at Hoffenheim and now Leipzig, what he's been able to do at his age. His, his level of attention to detail is famous. His idea that it's about personality and preparation and mentality much more than tactics is interesting, refreshing. It changes the debate a little bit. He's kind of the anti-Pep, except he shares some similar ideas with Pep. It's just that the, the, the tactic strategy thing is, is very much divorced from the way that Guardiola has informed all of our talking and thinking since he took over at Barcelona in 2008. And when you watch Leipzig, it's thrilling. And, you know, up in Meccano being out and, and them having to change from a 3-5-2 that Nagelsmann had made predominant throughout the Bundesliga season when at one stage they, they led handsomely. And having to put a right back in a, a, a double centre half in a four-man back line for several games and, and still um, adapting and looking as if they can play the same brand of football. So something really important to me, and that is that they, that they hugely enjoy playing for this coach, that they, they buy into his ideas. We're in an era, I'd argue, Richard, where even the very best coaches have to convince and engage their players. This idea that certainly in my lifetime, Neil's lifetime, I forget how young you are, um, Supercause, where you just said do this and because wages weren't as high as then and because there wasn't as much spread of ideas about sort of agents and anarchic footballers players did it now looking at the way that Leipzig play particularly when they're missing footballers it's my idea that his squad generally adore working for Nagelsmann I think that or at least I'm informed I work with a, a a German friend of mine who, who's employed by Philip Lamb's company and he knows Leipzig, I'd say almost inside out. What struck me um, was that Diego Deme, who um, was hugely important to um, Leipzig, had been sold. And he was one of those players that knitted the atmosphere on a on a day-to-day basis. He was a, he was a crucial factor in, in squad unity. He went out um, and, and, and they don't seem to have particularly lost out because of that. I know that there were a couple of us who thought that's a bad sale, that's going to be a problem. They then brought in Danny Olmo and I think that was a brilliant piece of business, particularly at the price. So they've coped with the injuries, they've, ch- they've coped with change of formation, they've coped with having had a lead and, and then Bayern clawing it away from breathing down their neck to now, as we speak at least, a, a minor lead. I think I think maybe by a point, whatever it is. And I watched, yeah, I watched that Spurs game and I watched the fact that, in my opinion, Leipzig played a brand of football where they should have, they should have gobbled that game up. The tie should be over. It's not quite, but nearly. And, and the margin could have been bigger. They play at an unbelievable speed. And then to go to Schalke, and play like that, that performance, the power and, and the dynamism and the free-scoring nature of that um, that performance up in Gelsenkirchen was extraordinary. And I enjoy um, Leipzig hugely. And my one quibble, where I think you'll probably laugh at me now, is this. Well, you, you said, will they win the league? I think they can, but I'm a bit concerned about 
them and Dortmund doing each other damage. And I'm a bit concerned by the fact that when I hear Rummenigge praising up Hansi Flick and when I hear Thomas Muller praising up Hansi Flick so vociferously, it tells you that something's going right at Sabinastrasse and that, the again, they're engaged mentally. So you'd have to say that on pedigree and in terms of squad quality and investment in the squad, Bayern Munich need to shade it. They need to be favourites. Could Leipzig win it? Yes, they could. They could. And Bayern are not immune to shooting themselves in the foot. But here's your last one. Werner. The world is talking about Timo Werner. And I see a footballer who's extraordinarily fast. I see somebody who is patently still willing to learn and doesn't have a massively inflated ego that says, I know it all. But am I head over heels in love with him? Do I understand, fully understand why supposedly there's a big bid for him from Barcelona and somewhere else that I'm struggling, super cause you'll probably know, but there, are, I think there are bids in from Barcelona and one other club and he is patently angling to go and play for Klopp at Liverpool. That's, that's a standout cert. It's a move to Anfield he wants. And that Leipzig look like they're a club that plan well enough to be able to sell for gigantic money and then and then restock well. But do am I convinced? No. I, I look at Werner and I look at uh, a finisher who's definitely not natural. A finisher who I think will get a lot of goals in his career because he will be the pinpoint of, of an attack that will be serviced well. Until his pace dies down, he's got Michael Owen, Nicholas Anelka, Mark Overmars' pace. He's extraordinarily rapid. And although he's not big like Haaland, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a bit of a tank. He, he, not tall like them. He's, he's, he's burly and strong. And his pace will damage pace over like counterattack distances where the ball goes over the top or goes between centre halves yeah but pace over short distances too where he erupts into a chance or erupts into somebody committing a foul and giving away a penalty on him I see it can he drop wide and open up spaces too yeah he, he looks like a, a, a re- for this stage of his life a reasonably educated footballer in finishing terms I, I don't think he's elite or anything like it yet was Mo Salah at that age was Sane at that age elite finishers no so that can come that can change and do Liverpool absolutely need a striker who's got 30 goals in him every season no because what they what they look for from their front three is is combination right foot left foot control from you know being able to drop and like Benzema, they think they're very similar. Act as a nine or a ten, and they press. They press phenomenally hard. And and are they going to be clever enough to say that one of the th- front three probably goes now, in order to to stop there being rust, in order to stop there being this? I you know I I'm I command my place. I think we do see a summer move for one of the front three out. And, and could Werner be the right guy in terms of that ability, that breakaway ability? that pace he can use for pressing and his willingness to press. Yeah, I see all that. And, and, I, and I could be wildly wrong. And, you know, in a season and a half's time, everybody's just laughing at this. But I, for all the good things I see in Timo Werner, I do not believe that he's a particularly adept finisher. And that's why um, 
he isn't making me slaver with excitement. Like watching him, love watching the team, much more interested in Nagelsmann than in Timo Werner himself. Thanks very much, Richard. Thank you, Graham. That's all from the Q&A show for February. Thanks for listening to all our shows this month. We're back on Tuesday with... Sven, Joran, Ericsson. It's one of my favourite interviews. Graham, would you like to tell the nice people why they should listen to that one? Sven, Joran, Ericsson speaks in a beautiful Swedish lilt. And that should be good enough for all of you. If it's not, Neil and I made a high-risk Swedish police-infused 9,000-kilometre chase around the continent in order to get near... Sven Joran Eriksson. Beyond that, in the 97 or 98 interviews we've conducted for the big interview, I honestly swear to you, and tell your neighbours and friends, hang out the window, tell it to the milkman as he leaves through the back door, there are phases where Sven Joran Eriksson speaks about David Beckham or Luca Vialli or Sinisa Mihailovic, or that Mancini fellow that used to manage Manchester City, whereby the quality of his description, the quality of his anecdotes, is as good as anything that has ever been on the big interview. Into the bargain, he's got a lovely house, very neatly kept gardens, and the loch, a.k.a. lake, Fruken, just outside his garden, is 100 metres deep at its deepest point. Now, if that doesn't entice you in, I don't know what will. Come 20,000 leagues under the sea with me, Neil, a mad labradoodle, some moisture diffusers, Lake Fruken and Sven Joran Eriksson. You'll love it. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.